This morning's scripture reading comes from the Gospel according to John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. Listen to the Word of God. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me and for me this morning? Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you for your word in our lives that speak. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray that you would indeed remind us of our calling, each of us, through Jesus Christ, to be your children. And so, Lord, we pray that this morning, and I pray, too, for the words that you've placed in my mouth and my heart, Lord, that they would be honoring and pleasing to you, that they would be from you and not from me. And so in all these things we give to you, guide us and lead us in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and all God's people said, amen. So a few years ago, my wife, Melissa, and I, after a Good Friday service, uh, I was serving in church in Corpus Christi, uh, Texas. And after Good Friday, for some reason, decided that that would be the best time for my wife, Melissa, and I to go fishing. And in Corpus Christi, I guess that's just what you do. And so we went down to the pier and we went fishing. And and can I just explain to you, I am a terrible fisherman, Uh, like seriously bad. And so I thought maybe if I went at night that that would totally change my luck. I mean, every time I went fishing, I would catch fish that you can't eat. We call them in Corpus Christi uh, hardheads or just... You, you think you got them, you got something, you reel them in, you're like, man, I can't eat this fish. I, in fact, I'm such a bad fisherman, I caught a seagull one time. True story. And he tasted awful. I mean, no, just kidding. Uh, but anyway, we were there and we were fishing for hours and no, I didn't even catch a hardhead that night and we were fishing and, uh, casting and fishing and eventually after a few hours, I think it was about two in the morning, which can I just say as a pastor on Easter weekend, Good Friday fishing until two in the morning, bad decision. I claim that. 
But we, so we, uh, I turned to Melissa, I said, hey, I think, I think we just need to go home. And we, as soon as we pulled uh, the poles out of the water, the line out of the water and pulled our poles up and started to get everything together, it was like something was happening at the other end of the pier. It's like something crazy was going on. And all of a sudden we looked and this guy had a big fish on the line. And you know, you've, if you've ever seen it, that pole looked like it was about to break and he had the, the line. And so he was following that fish because... Now, I've learned this not because I'm a good fisherman, but I've heard this, that if you really, you have to release a little bit and then drag it back in and release and, and reel. And so he was doing that. He was fighting the fish. He was walking up and down the pier. In fact, I don't, I don't know if he meant to do this, but he was walking so much up the pier that people started taking their poles out of the water because this was a sight to see. They didn't want to mess up this guy's big catch. And so it was, it was really a sight to see because his friends were following. Uh, one with the net and one with the bucket. They were ready to get. And I was like, man, I don't know if that bucket's big enough. And so they were going back and forth. He was, uh, you know, trying to catch this thing, reel it in. And then all of a sudden, you could just see it. I, this thing was giant. And he was reeling it in. And this guy was down, his buddy, with the net. And just as that fish was just about to come to the surface, the line broke. Isn't that devastating? Have you ever felt that? You were so close to something, you'd worked so hard, sacrificed, and it was like the fight of your life, and then all of a sudden everything falls apart. You ever been there? I mean, it is, it's one of the most frustrating feelings you can have, and then the idea of starting over, of throwing that line back in the water, I don't know about that guy, but I was going home. It can be frustrating. It can be defeating. You know, that's exactly how the disciples felt after Jesus was crucified. They had sacrificed and given so much to follow this man, Jesus, who claimed to be the Messiah. And then all of a sudden, everything fell apart in a moment. And so they locked themselves in an upper room and in fear of the Jewish leaders. And eventually, Jesus shows up, the resurrected Christ, and he performs miracles. And he proves not only that it's him, but that he's the son of God. But as we see in the story this morning, and if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to to open them up. Or if you have them on your phone, we're going to be reading uh, out of that passage and going through this story uh, a little bit this morning. But in John chapter 21, verses 2 through 3, here's where the story starts. After all this had happened, Peter and some of the other disciples were together. And Peter says, I'm going fishing. You know, before Peter was ever a disciple of Jesus, he was a fisherman. This is like what he used to do. This is, this is his bread and butter. This is who he used to be. And he knew how to do this. This was something he could do without thinking. And you know, with everything that was going on, I think Peter probably just needed a minute to process everything. And so he went back and got in that old familiar boat from his past. You know, we all have those boats, don't we? Those boats of who we used to be that Places that keep us stuck and and who we once were that keep us from being fully who we're called to be by God. You know, maybe for some of us, that boat is remembering uh, who we were, who we used to be when we thought we were more or we had more, when we were more athletic, more ambitious, more optimistic, when we could wake up in the morning and our bones didn't hurt. That's starting to happen to me, by the way. You know, if you... If you have a family, maybe from time to time, you check out a little bit. And you remember what life was like when it was just you and you had more time. You could spend money the way you wanted to. You had more freedom. 
Maybe for you, that boat is that familiar feeling of anxiety and unrest in your life. Maybe that boat for you is that feeling of allowing your mood to dictate your behavior, that you're so on edge and you think people are out to get you that the slightest uh, upset with you, you find yourself getting angry at the smallest things. Maybe that's your boat. Or maybe your boat is just getting by. Going back to that place where you just watch the clock pass. And you're just waiting for the day to end so you can start the next one so that'll end. And the next one and the next one. And you're, you're good with doing just enough. Maybe that's your boat. We all have our boats of comfort. Places where we feel stuck. And Peter was dealing with the shame of denying Jesus. So in his boat, Peter was going back to who he used to be before he knew Christ. In the book of John, the last time that we hear Peter speak before he says, I'm going fishing... He had just denied Jesus three times. And can I tell you, these boats, the evil powers of this world love to have us in this boat. They love to keep us in those places where we feel stuck, where we feel like there's no way forward and this is the only place to be. And all we can do is think back to who we were and and check out and not be engaged. In these places, friends, we deny the power of the resurrection in our lives. We tell ourselves that the person we used to be before we encountered Christ was enough. And can I tell you, if you've never encountered Christ, can I invite you? And when you do, you are opened up to a life that is so much more. Because we're called to be so much more. And through the power of Christ, we can be. You know, when you look back through the passion story and all the events that led up to the crucifixion, there's something that that comes out when you read the story over and over, you notice that Peter and Judas both betrayed Jesus. Now, Judas's betrayal was much more active and direct. But let's not forget, let's remember that denying Jesus is a big deal. When we read together in uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 33, Jesus says, whoever denies me before men, I will deny before my father in heaven. But you know, there was a key difference between Judas and Peter in their response to the the betrayals. The difference for Peter is that he stayed in community. After everything that had happened, after all the the stuff that he'd been through and the things that he was wrestling with, he didn't do it alone. He went back and he stayed with the other disciples. And that community saw him through to the resurrection. Judas, on the other hand, chose to stay in isolation. And he succumbed to the, the shame and the guilt that he was experiencing and made the decision to hang himself. And you know, I often think, I wonder what would happen had Judas just waited until that Sunday, until that third day, and encountered Jesus. You think he would have been forgiven? Peter was. If you want to get out of that comfortable boat, you have to take a first step. If you want to get unstuck, here's the first step we can take. Be in community. Be surrounded by a group of believers who will help to see you through whatever you're going through, wherever you find yourself. And friends, can I tell you, that's why the church is such a powerful place. So in January of uh, 1968, there was this guy named Kim Shin Jo, and he was from North Korea. He was actually a part of a group of 31 commandos that were on a mission 
to go down to South Korea and kill the president of South, South Korea. And, you know, they made it within just a few hundred meters of the president's uh, home. And then all of a sudden they were surrounded and ambushed by South Koreans. And in the fight, 30 South Koreans lost their lives. And every, every one of those commandos from North Korea died except for two. One escaped and the other, Kim Shinjo, he was captured. And he was interrogated, and after months of being interrogated, he actually struck up a friendship with one of the South Korean army generals. And through that friendship, his hard heart began to soften. And later, he would confess. He said, I tried to kill the president. I was the enemy. But the South Korean people showed me sympathy and forgiveness. And because of that, I was touched and moved. You know, eventually, he was uh, released. He was pardoned. He spent, I think, three decades serving as a part of their military, eventually became a citizen, eventually started a family, got married. And what's amazing, this is how God is at work, especially through God's people. Eventually, he became a minister. He became a pastor. And he commented, he said, on that day, Kim Shin Jo died and I was reborn. I got my second chance and I'm thankful for that. You see, his encounter with Christ came through God's people and their ability to see him for who he was called to be. And that's what Peter found in community. That's what we find in the church. And so here's our second step that we can take to get out of that boat, to get unstuck. We can recognize Christ's presence working in our life. See, Peter was with the other disciples in in the boat. He was still trying to figure it out and You know, what's funny is oftentimes this is how God works. We go back to those old boats and we think that it's going to be, we always look at the past with rose-colored glasses, don't we? I know I do. I was much more athletic than I thought I was back in the day, or vice versa. But uh, he was in that boat. He was failing miserably at catching fish. He couldn't even do what it was that he used to be able to do so well. And then all of a sudden, Jesus showed up. And called from the shore and said, hey, throw your your nets on the right side of the boat. And all of a sudden, it's like the fish were jumping in their nets. They had so many. Scripture says they had 153 fish that day. And that was so many that they couldn't even pull it into the boat. They had to keep it in the water as they pulled it towards shore. And the miracle wasn't just the fish. The miracle was that Jesus was, was reminding Peter in that moment, He's like, hey man, I've called you not to sit in a boat and fish. I've called you to be a fisher of people. This was Peter's second chance. If you look back at uh, Luke, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, you'll see the story of Peter's calling. And when Peter meets Jesus for the first time, same deal, he hadn't caught any fish all night, and he was talking to him on the on the shore, and Jesus said, get back in the boat. And there were two boats. He said, go to deep water and throw your nets out. And then all of a sudden, there were so many fish that that one boat started to break and the other boat came over and helped them. And at that moment, Jesus recognized God at work. And he went before Jesus and acknowledged him as his Lord. And at that moment, Jesus said to Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, I'm going to make you you will fish for people. And we look back at that passage today 
And Peter is reminded of his calling. And I don't know about you, I'm forgetful. I need to be reminded of my calling on a regular basis. And as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, would you read this with me? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. You know, I know a lot of folks struggle and wonder, man, what is my calling? You talk about discernment or God showing me what, I, what it is I'm supposed to do. You know, can I be honest, as Christians, all of that is great and important and we do need to find our calling where God's leading us. But the basic calling for Christians is to live as a new creation in a dying world. That's it, simply. If you're doing that, everything else is going to come together. We are a new creation. And once we call Christ Lord and we give our lives over to Him, we are made new. The old has passed away. And Peter needed help seeing that. You know, when he was fishing and uh, he was doing all that and the, and the fish were coming in all of a sudden after he'd heard that voice, I love how John puts it. He said, the disciple that uh, Jesus loved turned over to Peter and said, hey, you know that's Jesus, right? And then all of a sudden, Peter took that important next step that we all need to take. We need to get out of the boat. We need to jump in. And that's the third step. To jump in. And that's exactly what happened. Peter was so overwhelmed and overcome by his relationship with Christ that everything else faded away and he jumped in. In fact, I think it went something a little bit like this. Let's take a look. Now, I don't think that Jesus was on the shore smoking a cigar. (laughs) But I do know that that's exactly how excited Peter was to see his friend. He was so overwhelmed and overcome that he jumped out of the boat and it all faded away. The old truly had passed away and who he was called to be, that new creation, he could do nothing but live into that. And that's our story, isn't it? Man, when we live out of Christ's resurrection and what that means for us, it means that we can get out of that boat. We don't have to be stuck where we were, who we used to be. We're something greater. We're newer. The old has passed away. And so to be recommitted or to commit for the first time to following Jesus Christ as our Savior, we find newness and life is is better. Life is fuller. And we get that second chance to do better and to be better. And we love second chances, don't we? I love hearing about redemption stories, don't you? Or... Uh, seeing, seeing movies about redemption stories and really, I think it's on purpose, but I love, I think most redemption stories are in the form of sports. I love sports. I love, uh, sports redemption stories. And there are so many. And I just love seeing somebody who was down and out and had a second chance and was better than he ever was before. You know, I'm not a Michigan fan. I just want to claim that. But I will say that on August 31st in 2002, Phil Brabs, he was a place kicker for the Michigan Wolverines, and uh, he, he walked out on the field. There was five seconds left in the game. They were down 28-29 to 29 against the Washington Huskies. And he was, uh, was going to kick the winning field goal or lose it for the team. It was a 44-yard attempt. And can I tell you that Phil was not having the best day? He had gotten to that moment, but on the, in the first quarter, his very first kick sailed way left. 
And in the second quarter, he missed another field goal attempt. So much so that there were 100,000 Michigan fans in attendance that day that had stayed for this moment with five seconds left. Every single one of them had booed him when he was walking off the field at halftime. And he was a Michigan Wolverine. Be a pretty tough day for Phil Brabs. In fact, I, I don't know what happened, but he came back on the field. And have you ever seen them warm up before the place kickers? And you see that net, and it's like five feet in front of him. Apparently, he, the way the story goes, he was missing every single one of those practice shots. I feel like I wouldn't miss any of those practice shots, and I'm terrible at kicking. Apparently, I'm terrible at a lot of things. <laughs> so his coach sidelined him for the rest of the game until his backup couldn't kick a field goal either. And so here Phil was. His coach called him in and said, this is, this is your moment. This is your shot at redemption. Get out there and do it. And wouldn't you believe it, he kicked the winning field goal. Time went off the clock. The ball went through the uprights. Michigan won 31-29. to I don't even like Michigan, but that, that excites me. And all of his teammates, you know, gathered around him. They were really excited. And he said he could have died that day. It was like he was president. And even to this day, his game-winning field goal is simply called the kick. I mean, what a great story. What a second chance. Easter reminds us that if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. Friends, we all get a second chance. We all get a chance at redemption. And so as we continue in the story, the last thing to happen is the disciples and Jesus, they all eat together. And Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? And seriously, by the, by the third time, Peter's a little offended that Jesus had, has asked him, hey, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, yes, Lord. And then finally he says, yes, stop asking me, I love you. But what Jesus is doing is he's, after each time, Jesus says, well, then feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. And so each time Peter says yes, Jesus is wiping away those three denials. But then he's also doing something different. He's reminding, recommitting, recalling Peter to his calling to be the leader of the church, to feed his sheep, to take care of the lambs, to feed his sheep. And that's what happens for Peter. If you've ever read the Gospels and then read the book of Acts, you see a completely different guy. The fumbling, bumbling Peter becomes this powerful leader and moves people to follow Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit because what Peter did in that moment is he was sold out. And there was no doubt that the new creation was in him and the old had passed away. You see it from his letters. You see it from the book of Acts. I want to challenge you to read the book of Acts and and as it relates to Peter, and you will see amazing things that God does to the Holy Spirit. What a second chance opportunity Peter had. See, Easter is that opportunity for us to get out of that old and comfortable boat. You know, what's funny is we talk about New Year's resolutions every year, and Easter is a chance for a new life resolution. To recommit, to re-engage, or maybe to commit our lives for the first time to Christ. And so here are those three steps that we can take. Be in community, be surrounded by other believers who will encourage you, who will help you. 
You know, I don't know where you might be today, but here's what I do know. You're here right now. So here's an easy next step. Come back next week. In fact, here's a way to take it a little further. Give yourselves a, a six-week six challenge if you don't attend worship regularly and say, you know what, I'm going to come back for the next six weeks because we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And I, I want to challenge myself to be in community and hear about God at work through the Holy Spirit. Or take it a step further and join a small group. The second step, recognize Christ's presence working in your life. Here's an easy first step. Again, we're already here and today we will be celebrating and receiving communion. It's an opportunity for us, like Peter, to break bread with Jesus and to recommit and renew our relationship with Christ. And in that, we not only re-experience God's sacrifice for us and remember the sacrifice, but we remember the power that Christ has to bring life to regular, ordinary things. And that's just one step. You know, one of the steps we can take on a regular basis is to worship God in our very lives, to read scripture, to pray, to seek to hand our will over to God's will, to seek God's will in our life. And finally, that third step is to get out of that old, comfortable boat, to leave it behind and just jump in. Man, be overwhelmed and overcome by your relationship with Christ, drawn into that new life. Simply say yes to Christ and join Christ at work in this new world. So here's that easy first step. After service ends, not right now, but after service ends, you can walk out, go to the gathering room and sign up for our No Hunger Day if you haven't already. Not only do you get a great t-shirt, but it's an opportunity for you to see Christ at work in this world. Man, an opportunity for you to be Christ's hands and feet. So join us next Saturday for No Hunger. But that's just one step. We all have a mission, a life's purpose in Christ that is always being refined and renewed. So I'd encourage you to to live into that new creation and, and constantly ask God to lead you and to guide you and offer your work, offer your marriage, offer your your lives and your family to God. So that God will lead you well in all things. And let's remember as we celebrate and remember that we are an Easter people Jesus Christ defeated death. He's the only one to ever do it. And through that death and resurrection, when we trust in Christ, we're offered a second chance, a new life. As Paul puts it, and may these words be in our hearts as we live today. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has begun. Let's live out of that.